Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm going to ask you, you can just remain seated if you'd like, but in the book of John, I'm going to read in chapter 13, verse number 34. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures in Romans as well to go with that. And just ask the Lord to touch us here today. And and uh, I, I just hope with the help of the Lord to underline something that maybe down inside we all know. But sometimes life can just confuse things and blur the signal so much so at times that we can forget. And so if the Lord will help me tonight, we'll just maybe try to underline something in all of our lives. The book of John 13 and 34 The scripture says, A new covenant I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You don't need a commentary really here for this passage of scripture because it's pretty emphatic. Things are stated with great clarity and then somewhat repeated. You love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we have clear marching orders here, undeniable marching orders. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says in chapter 12 and verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Then again in chapter 15 and verse 14, Paul says, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. And so you see this common thread perhaps can pick up the scent of where we're headed tonight. I want to I speak about the value of you, the value of you. And uh, sometimes in life, I, I think that, as I mentioned a moment ago, the signals can get so crossed up until we can become uh, that person that feels unimportant to what God is trying to do in his kingdom. And more specifically, we can feel unimportant to the very local church in which God has planted us. Now, I know that time and uh, circumstance happens to all of us, and it's a part of life. But I, And I know that sometimes job transfers take us to other places and things of that nature. But I really do believe, for the most part, that that not only does God fill the pulpit uh, with the person that he sees to oversee that church for whatever period of time and season that may be, but I also have always believed that God calls saints to a church. Amen. I I don't think that this just a random turn of events that we find ourselves together tonight, but I believe that God plants us together. And in the course of that, if, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of where we belong in the local church or in the local body of Christ and how we could ever fit in and make a contribution to the larger picture. 
But I believe more than ever before that we certainly need one another. The scripture that is still on the screen before us tonight that says that we should be able to admonish one another, to edify and to lift up. We live in a world that is so quick to tear down and to demean and devalue things that are really of great value to all of us. And so there is so many scriptures and so many principles of scripture that are laid out that we should be encouragers of one another, that we would be that voice in someone's life to help them become what God has called them to become. But they need, and we all need that assurance, and we need that hand to help us to be molded into what the Lord would have us to be. Um, an illustration that we find in in just the common honeybee is that a queen is not necessarily born, but a queen is cultivated. And uh, by bringing the best of the nectar and by that tender extra mile care, then they cultivate something in that one bee that becomes their leader. And so I believe tonight there's a, there's a very strong principle that we can find in all of that for us that, that we are what we are today because of those that have invested in us and have spoken words into our heart. And I, I don't, that term can get really used loosely, I'm sure. Uh, even among us today, that, that term about somebody speaking a word into your life. But I'm thankful for the words that have been spoken into my life and for the hands that have helped to shape us and mold us and to bring all of us where we are today. But we can very, very quickly lose sight of how important we are to the voice of God, to the word of God, and to the kingdom of God. I think it's a universally true statement, and certainly a statement that would be applicable to any time in history that we need one another, but I think it's so enhanced today. We really do need one another. We need that voice of affirmation, that that prayer. Uh, a, few, uh, a few days ago, I was in a meeting in the and the spirit of the Lord just began to move in, in the meeting and, and we were just called to pray and pray over a specific situation and to pray right then. There was such an immediate surge of the presence, almost palatable presence of God that became evident in that meeting. It was, it was so intense that I began to pray sincerely that the Lord would help the person we were praying for who was some 200 miles removed from the longitude and the latitude where we were sitting. But I said, Lord, you can help them to feel what we're feeling right now. They don't even know we're praying. They wasn't a clarion call to pray at a certain time, but I believe that the Lord could touch them. And I asked God specifically just to let them feel something. They may not know what it was, but to feel an encouragement, to feel strength, to feel some sort of peace in their heart. We really need one another. We certainly should not discount or bypass those those unctions that we feel in the Lord when we feel time to pause and pray for someone. Don't override that. Don't ignore that. We may not always be able to pull over beside the road or stop exactly what we're doing and fall down and just enter into 45 minutes of intercessory prayer, but I believe that God will honor our faith when someone crosses our mind and it's more than just a casual crossing. How many people know what I'm talking about tonight? Just something kind of gets impressed in your spirit. We need not ignore that because we need one another too strongly to ignore that. 
And so the church, this church and every church needs every member of that church to become a better church. We may not feel like at times that we contribute too much or uh, we wonder what uh, our actual weight would be considering the overall ministry of the church. And I will just be specific tonight and talk about this church. But I believe that you are very important to what God wants to do through this local church in this hour. Amen, I believe that with all of my heart because God doesn't do things randomly and he does not make mistakes and he doesn't do something and then back up and say, oh, wait a minute, I might need to rethink this. And so at times when it doesn't make sense, and if I may be bold enough tonight and even say this much, at times when it doesn't even feel right, we need to realize that God has placed me here and I just want to acquiesce to his spirit and his will and allow the presence of the Lord to help me to help someone else. An old Jewish story tells of a rabbi who asked the Lord to show him heaven and hell. And so the Lord said, well, I will show you hell. And as the old fable goes, but there's a principle here. The Lord opened the door to a room and inside was a large round table with a pot of stew in the center of the table. The people in the room were all equipped with long-handled spoons, but they were starving to death. They were able to dip into the stew quite easily with the nature of the spoon, but because the handles were longer than their arms, they were unable to eat because they couldn't get it back to their mouth. And so the Lord said, now I will show you heaven. This time, so goes the story, the rabbi saw a room identical to the other room except the people there were all well nourished laughing and talking they had at the same table and the same pot of stew also long handled spoons but somehow they had overcome the handicap and so when asked the Lord how in the how could this be the Lord just simply required said it requires a certain skill he said they must learn how to feed one another and not just try to feed themselves So with the same thing that handicapped one group became the strength of the other group because they learned how to nourish their neighbor. And so I believe that we do prosper in an atmosphere of liberal giving and receiving and trusting. I believe that that God places something in our heart in that kind of atmosphere. And so we must come to the place and the realization that we are blessed to the extent that we are willing and able and and uh, and will allow the Lord to help us to bless somebody else. We've been all blessed, am I right? Amen, you, I'm not saying you don't have any deficits in your life, but I think we all can say we've been mighty blessed of the Lord. And so because of that, I don't mind blessing somebody else. The book of Luke chapter six and verse 38, it, it's a very, very familiar passage of scripture to many people But it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so giving breaks the back of selfishness. That's the only way to get over selfishness. That's the only way to conquer it, is you have to be unselfish. You have to be proactively unselfish and that releases the Lord 
to work among us. And I want to talk about tonight giving for just a moment. And I want our minds to run past some of the places that we normally think giving applies to because generally when we talk about giving, we just kind of go right to the financial aspect of things and camp out. But there are so many ways that we can give in addition to our giving of finances. But I believe that when we give of our time, I've never met anybody really that had extra time. Not a lot of time laying around, but when you give of your time and say, I'm gonna bless somebody with my time, I believe that God, just like he can bless our bank account or just like he can bless the penny jar, God can bless our time and he can give that back to us. Nobody has time to do a lot of things that are going on, but because we wisely invest it and we give that to someone else, God blesses our time and he helps our time to go further than we ever dreamed it would go. And the Lord says, for with the same measure, the same device, the same measuring device that you use to give, he said, I will use that very same thing to give it back to you. And so that's why I think that all of our giving should be generous. All of our giving should be liberal. All of our giving should be really without measure because the Lord says, ever how you measure it out, that's how it's coming back to you. And so I wanna be generous when I'm giving it out because I certainly wanna be generous when it comes back home. And so we need one another and we have, to, uh, we have to cultivate that idea fresh every day that ever how I give it, that's how it's gonna come home to me. And so I wanna make sure that it comes home to me in that, in that same fashion. We have, I've just recently heard a family in our church that testified about how they felt led to give such and such to a global missions effort. And then God turned around and just gave all of that right back to them plus. Now, we don't give to get. And God doesn't always just turn around and give us $2 because we gave $1. But I do know for a fact and so do many others that are in this building, that every now and then God just steps into our world, literally, amen, and, and God just steps into our world in reality and says, I just need to show you something, this still works, this still works. And so I'm thankful today that God helps us to understand that we are not in this alone. As a matter of fact, the model for prayer is the Lord's prayer. That's not a prayer to recite. That's not a prayer to memorize and just repeat back. It's a wonderful thing if you can memorize it because there are the principles of prayer that are found in the model of the Lord's prayer. And so you cannot even get started in the Lord's prayer without that less than subtle reminder that we are not in this by ourselves. Amen, because it starts out by saying our Father which art in heaven. He's not just my Father, but he's our Father. That means I'm not here alone. I'm not by myself. I'm not on an island, but I am involved in the kingdom of God in a corporate effort to minister the word of the Lord. And so our Father which art in heaven, Amen. So I am thankful that we are in the body of Christ. And for all the people that fulfill their respective roles within the body of Christ and how they contribute liberally into the kingdom of God and we are in turn individually blessed by that. There are many things that we need from one another. 
I didn't come to this pulpit tonight with an exhaustive list, but I can tell you among those things tonight that we need from one another, we certainly need to have encouragers among the body of Christ. Those, I'm not talking about reducing this down to just mere cheerleaders. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about people that can have a true and a sure word of encouragement. We need those lifter, those voices that lift us up in the middle of our race, those that can encourage us along the way. I I really want you to understand that I'm not talking about superficial encouragement. I've used this example a lot, but when I was in high school, uh, I went to Mayo, and uh, when I was in high school in Mayo, it was just during one of those periods of time, I'm not sure how long it went on, but every year, Branford beat us. And I don't mean they barely beat us. I don't mean that, that sometimes, you know, they just eat one over our heads. I'm talking about they slaughtered us every year. No need to go. It was a waste of gas. It was a waste of time. It was a waste of effort. I'm not sure if they still do this, but on Friday afternoons before the ball game that night, we would go to a pet rally. And so those cheerleaders where they were just, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you know, year after year after year, you know they didn't even believe it themselves. (laughs) You just know. You just know they're just going through the routine. They're just shaking pom-poms. They're just saying something that they don't even believe themselves. You know on the bus ride home that night, they were looking at each other saying, I told you so. I just, I just told you so. We just knew it wasn't going to happen because so many years we had gone defeated and so I'm not talking about encouragement like that where you know you're sending somebody into the fire and they don't stand a chance of even coming out of that on the other end. But I'm talking about an encourager, somebody that can give you a sure word that just kind of reestablishes your foot on a sure foundation. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Amen. Comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Amen. Not just not just patting each other on the back for the sake of patting each other on the back. But I just am a firm believer and you've heard this so many times that we ought to leave church feeling better than we did when we came to church. Amen. That doesn't mean that we've just heard uh, just a palliative care, palliative care message that just kind of gives us a little numbing agent and carries us on our way. Amen. The word of the Lord ought to pinch us sometimes. It ought to sting us sometimes. It pinches me and it stings me sometimes. But we ought to walk away knowing that the Lord cared enough for us that he would say, you know what? We got to get back over here. We got to get here. We got to get this right. Whatever it may be, we need the word of the Lord to encourage us because we really do need encouragement from time to time just to deal with life's problems. It's okay to say amen to that because we all have problems. Also, encouragement helps us to better serve one another more effectively and every church leader needs encouragement. I can tell you that. We have a number of people who serve in so many different capacities in our church. Every now and then I just... Just look over the list because I want to call their names in prayer. And so we ought to do everything within our power to encourage them along the way because they make this church what it is today. They serve us. They serve us. Our musicians and our singers, they greet us with a smile every time we walk through the door. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. They are anointed. They are happy to be serving in their respective role. 
and they help lead us in worship in a first class fashion. Amen. Others may serve in a less conspicuous role. Amen. They, they, maybe they're, they're serving behind the scenes or behind the curtain, so to speak, but they are still serving gladly and they help make this church what it is today. Amen, we have a wonderful, wonderful people and I'm just gonna talk about a few things. I can't fit it all in here tonight but we have wonderful people that signed up and have signed up to serve on teams that help prepare meals or get things ready for certain events and they also help clean up and so long before the mass of people got there, they were working and long after everybody's thrown their toothpick in the trash can, they're still there working. Amen, and they're gladly serving. Can I tell you that? They're gladly serving. Amen, they serve before uh, the church family and they serve behind the scenes and they give of themselves. But you know what? We would not be and could not be where we are today without people that were willing to do that. Uh, They're not doing it for recognition. They're not doing it for the praise. They're not doing it for the glory. Therefore, every time we have the opportunity, we ought to thank them. Amen, we ought to thank them. Thank them for what? What they do. Those two words, thank you, can go further than we ever dare dream or imagine. They go a long, a long way. What we can never afford to do is forget the fact that everybody serves in some capacity. Also, we have to understand that everybody that's serving in whatever capacity deals with the same stresses that we deal with. They still, they deal with the same lack of time and the lack of resources that everybody else deals with. They have life just like we have. Amen, all of them are just regular people. They're just like everybody else. There's, there's no, they're, they're, they're not wearing a cape underneath their suit or their dress. They're just regular people. Most of them have demanding secular jobs that, more, that demand oftentimes far more day than dollar is given. Amen, and you know how physically and and emotionally draining all of that can be. Some of them have perplexing family issues. Some of them have personal problems of one kind or another, but despite those issues, they still get up and they serve us and they serve us gladly. Amen, they minister to this body and they make our church function as smooth as possible. At times, I myself have been guilty of taking them for granted, not intentionally, but taking them for granted. Perhaps I have not been as encouraging at times as I should have been, but I'm working on that, and that's not just something I'm saying for the sake of this message tonight. It becomes more and more clear to me if I can just say something on a personal level here. Those things become more and more evident to me during the days or services where I am not ministering than at any other time. I'm guilty of having a one-track mind whenever, I, whenever I'm preaching. <clears throat> I just kind of got my mind on that. And uh, I, I had to do all that I can to stay focused on that. You're, uh, anybody who's done that, you know what I'm talking about. When I, I'm under the load of ministry on any one given day or for any one given service. I'm just kind of focused on that. Now, I'm not saying that I don't hear the music and I don't hear the singing and that I don't see the Sunday school teachers and I don't see the students, I do all the above, but just kind of got a laser-like focus on my responsibility. But on those days when I don't have to minister, it becomes abundantly clear to me how blessed we are. Because I can hear the laughter of the Sunday school students with a little bit greater clarity. 
And I can see the things that are going on as I'm making my way here into the sanctuary and I hear the music and I hear the singing and, 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 it, and it has a different tone to it because I don't have the pressure of the day on me and I have the privilege of sitting with my wife which is something I don't often have the chance to do whether we're here or at other places and so I'm thankful for that. And so when I can just look and listen, I'm often reminded of how blessed we are. I'm not excusing myself for not being a better encourager, but I'm just telling you human nature is being what it is that sometimes we just get caught up in our own life and our own world and with our own responsibilities. And I'm sure that even some of you tonight have failed to be as the encourager that you should be. Amen. I'm not condemning. I put my name at the top of the list and went and I worked from there. We just kind of get caught up and we just assume that they're just having so much fun doing what they're doing. But if you've never been the Sunday school teacher that got tied up and left in a corner, <laughs> then you may not know, and I'm just teasing about that. But, but we need to thank those that are serving because no matter what job you have, one day it will become a job. I used to think as a young man that it was probably every young lady's dream to become a stewardess. Maybe some young ladies here thought about how the, the, the glitz and the glamour of, of being a stewardess. And you just get to see the world until you start flying a little bit and you think, oh my word, they would be stuck in this capsule all day long, every day, and you would be in a different, I mean, you know, they're just off long enough to go get a bath and a nap and then they're back on and they're just, it's not like you're out just canvassing the world. You see it from a different perspective. So every job at some point can become a real job. And so we need to thank those who minister to us and minister to not just us, but like tonight, as I mentioned a moment ago, there's people that are ministering to our children right now. And they probably don't feel too ministerial right now, but they're ministering to our children at this very moment. And certainly the need for encouragement extends beyond just the workers of our church. I've met very few people, if any, that didn't appreciate just a small dose of encouragement to, to just say to the waiter or to the waitress, you know, especially when it's applicable, you're doing a great job. And we really appreciate that because they deal with so many cantankerous people. And if you work in the public, you certainly know what I'm talking about because most people get up with a frown on their face and they just look for reasons to validate that all throughout the day. And so it's, it's amazing how you can change the situation just by being a little bit kind and changing the complexion of things. I read an article many years ago and it stated this and I, I pulled it back up online today and read a little bit of this again just for clarity's sake, but... Uh, for years, a man by the name of William Wilberforce had pushed Britain's parliament for the dissolution of slavery. Discouraged at this uh, multiple-year-long journey and climb, he was about to give up. He had an elderly friend, a name you would recognize, John Wesley. John Wesley heard about his discouragement. And from John Wesley's deathbed, he asked those that were caretakers to bring him a pen and paper. And with trembling hands, John Wesley wrote, and I'm just reading in part, he wrote the following note. He said, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of both men and devils. 
But if God be for you, who can be against you? And he asked, are all of them together stronger than God? He went on to write. He said, oh, be not weary in well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till every slave shall vanish away. Wesley died six days after he wrote those words. But William Wilberforce fought for more than 45 years. And in 1833, just three days before his own death, he saw slavery abolished in Britain. He was almost to give up when somebody said, I need to encourage him. I want to remind you again, even though it's only seconds old, his encourager was on his own death bed. He could have said, you know, I got enough things going on in my world right now. But he said, somebody bring me a pen and somebody bring me a piece of paper. And he wrote a few words for the ages that just put something in the heart of a man that said, I can fight another day now. Amen, I can fight another day. And so I'll tell you today that even the greatest among us have need of an encouraging word. If world changers need an encouraging word, then how much more do you and I today really need somebody to come along beside us and just an encouraging word to say thank you, to say we're praying for you, to somebody to just come along beside us. And so as we've discussed all throughout our study in the book of James, our journey through James, the tongue has the ability, has many abilities. It has uh, uh, it has the power to edify. It has the power to strengthen. It has the power to tear down. It has the power to destroy. But I believe as Holy Ghost filled men and women, amen, we need to understand the value of of what the Lord can speak through us and allow an encouraging word to come out of our lips. Now we have all felt unworthy. Can I get an amen from that? We've all felt unworthy. We felt the Lord prompt us to say something or prompt us to do something and, and, and we think well, it's so small up against what else is going on but I just want to tell you don't underestimate what God because the songwriter said little is much if God is in it so don't underestimate what God can do when we put our faith our trust our confidence in him amen we have all had our lives impacted by someone who shared just a few things just said something and it kind of changed the complexion, not just of a day, but it changed the complexion of our future. And so we ought to use words of affirmation when we're dealing with others. And, and I think that there should be a deep appreciation and encouragement that will help others around us and strengthen them. One thing that we need to give and receive is encouragement. We need Encouragers, I'm so thankful for encouraging people in my life. I'm, I'm very, very sincere when I say that. I'm thankful for, I'm not just talking about people that pat you on the back and say nice things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are just so encouraged by the work of God and their encouragement encourages me. They're so strengthened by what God is doing. I'm thankful for encouragers. I'm so thankful for that. Amen, I believe that we certainly need to understand the value of loving one another. The scripture says so much about that. I'm not talking about superficial love uh, that we find almost everywhere around us, shallow and pretentious. But, you know, most people only love you if they feel like you can do something for them. <laughs> right? 
And so they're just trying to figure out what they can get out of this exchange. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That was in one of our scriptures in our text. That kind of love that Jesus is expecting is marked by genuine concern. And I get it that we can't change everybody's world. We can't fix all the ills and the, and the woes of life. But I'm telling you that we can love people with genuine love and let them feel something that comes from our heart. And I believe that our love should be marked by unconditional. That we love you high, we love you low. Amen, we love you to the left, we love you to the right. We love you, we must love people at face value. And trust me, when you say I'm going to love people at face value, God will put you to the test. Don't think I'm kidding. Romans 15 and 7, the Bible says, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also so received the glory of God. This means that we accept people despite their sin. And it's sometimes so difficult to draw that line and figure out where the borders are. Amen. Loving one another is not necessarily based on or conditioned by someone's behavior, but it's conditioned on our obedience to the Lord. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying because I'm not saying that we just accept everybody's sinful behavior and we embrace that. That's not at all what I'm saying that, that we say whatever you're doing, that is okay. Doesn't mean that we approve of someone's sin or recommend whatever they're doing to somebody else. Amen. We need to hold them as we hold ourselves to a biblical standard and treat that and them accordingly, but we need to love them and minister to them genuinely, sincerely, pray for them, amen, encourage them to grow in the Lord. How else are they going to be changed if we burn all the bridges? And so it's so difficult sometimes to figure out and we need the wisdom of the Lord. It is certainly We need that in every situation, in every circumstance, and sometimes at every meeting. We need the Lord to help us figure out where we can draw some balance and all that. We've got to learn what grace can do in the life of just one person, and the Lord will show us, he will lead us, and he will guide us. I'm gonna tell you that I've overreached at times, and there have been times I underreached, but thankfully there have been many times where I got it right, and I felt like we all walked away, and they understood that I haven't changed my mind about that situation, I haven't changed my mind about whatever it is that you're doing or going through, but I just want you to know that I love you through that. Amen. And so many times we, throughout the Old Testament, you see that that in God's selection of people, and I I use that intentionally, in God's selection of people to be used for certain things, God selected someone whose character most often matched what God needed them to do. Let me give you just a couple of examples. He chose David, who was a musician and a songwriter. He was already right there, and that's what God needed him to do. And so he already had those tendencies in him, and those natural, uh, those natural giftings were right there. Samuel, well, he just grew up. He was, he was, uh, he, as a matter of fact, he was a promise in the temple. Amen. They were there when the Lord promised and answered the cry of his mother. He was right there, and so he had a temple connection all the way before he was even an embryo. Amen. He had a temple connection. And then his mother made a covenant. I will bring him back to you as soon as he is weaned. And she kept her word and she brought him there. And so he grew up as a child in the presence of the Lord. So who better to be a priest? (laughs) Just seems obvious. Saul 
was a born leader. He even had a stature, according to Scripture, that matched that of a leadership, head and shoulders. He was just that. But when you go to the New Testament, you do more than just change pages, but you change the scenery. In the New Testament, God's grace changed a person's nature from what they were to what God needed them to become. And sometimes we fail to turn the page. And we see people for what they are today and not what they can become. Paul, I tried to read the book of, uh, of, of Acts every month. And so Paul, I'm always, I'm always so um, almost grin every time whenever this man's just minding his own business, he said, I need you to go witness to Paul. He said, whoa, he kind of raised his hand and said, uh, <laughs> can we talk about this? Is this open for discussion? And then he begins to tell him what great things Paul is gonna suffer for the kingdom's sake. It's okay, you go talk to him because I've already paved a path. I've already made a way because God turned him and changed him from a persecutor to a preacher. Matthew was a tax collector, but the Lord said, I can take that and make him a disciple. Amen, Simon Peter was a fisher of fish, but he said, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. I'm gonna change everything. And so grace changed us. And so I think today we should never underestimate what God can do in a person's life no matter what you see today his grace just just give grace a moment to work amen i'm going to close and our, our musicians can just stay there i i'm going to close in my closing comments here i just want to maybe if i can pull all of this together in his wisdom god knew that we would travel down life's highway and in that course of travel we would encounter many challenges and he knew that we would need all kinds of assistance along the way. Sometimes we need somebody to teach us. So aren't you thankful for teachers that can show you the way? And you know, some people who know how to do things are not necessarily good teachers. They have an understanding of it themselves, but they don't necessarily know how to teach that to others. I've met many musicians that way. They know how to play the guitar. When I said, well, show me what you just did, they just kind of... They're great musicians, but they're not necessarily good teachers. But I'm thankful for the good teachers. Somebody that can break it down and put it on your level where you can get it. Sometimes we need people just to do nothing more than show us mercy. We stepped out of bounds and we just need somebody to mercifully handle that situation. At times we need people that'll help us, they just absolutely to be there for us, to stand beside us, to help us pick up the other end of this load that we're carrying. Sometimes we need people that'll hold us accountable for things like personal growth and just hold us accountable, hold us to a higher level. We need somebody in our lives that's looking up to us so that we can continue to lead. Other times we may need people that'll listen to us and care for us when we're hurting inside and whether or not they have the solution or the answer to our ills, if they can just listen, just listen. Knowing this, God arranged a plan whereby everybody would have one or more special gifts or abilities. And we've all been gifted in some areas. First Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts and, and I believe that when we receive the Holy Ghost that God makes things available to us 
and that we can become something of value in the kingdom of God because he doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't call us randomly. And so we ought to exercise these ministry gifts within the body so that we can be edified because I believe every person here has something that God has either given you when you came into the church or God just enhanced natural gifts that were already in your life. Without your help, it would be harder for us to live the the life that God has called us to live. And so unless we use these abilities that the Lord has given us, then it's gonna become more and more difficult for us as a church to be effective in our ministry as a church. Now, we can always come together and sing a few songs and have a little preach and go home and just have church and be called a church and those things. But sometimes we can be not very effective in our ministries. And so... I don't wanna just have church for the sake of having church. We need to be effective in what we're doing. And so with that thought in mind, I think that we should ask ourselves two questions, and I'm talking still about the value of you. Two questions, and that is, how can I help this be a better church? How can I help this church be a better church? And the second question is, what could I do that would help or encourage others around me? I close with an age-old illustration, and and you may have heard this multiple times in other venues and certainly in church. I'll just ask you to stand, and we'll rest while I'm closing with this. Migrating geese fly in large flocks in a V formation, and that is not by accident. Because in this V formation, there's a lead goose. And there's a purpose for that leading goose. He or she will break the air in front of the whole flock. And by doing so, it makes it easier for everybody else to fly. But in time, they get tired. And so without fear of criticism from the rest of the camp, They just fall back to the back of formation and somebody else starts leading while they rest. Now, I find this interesting and and looked in more than one place and the statistics of this are very close, though they vary a little bit, but they're close. Scientists have estimated that a flock of geese can fly 71% further than a lone geese can fly by itself. 70% give or take. If we're in this together, then just one goose can fly flying alone. Furthermore, if a goose is injured or becomes sick, they drop out of the flock, and when that happens, at least two geese will also drop out of the formation and fly to the ground and guard and care for that sick one and they will stay until their health or injury is restored and then join another flock and continue their journey. Now, no matter how many times I've read this or perhaps how many times you've heard it, there's still so much truth, and I ask myself this. If God would put that kind of intuition in a wild bird, then I believe that same intuition times whatever is in us. And if we fail to do it, it's because we're overriding something that God has placed in our heart. 
I believe that we would have to override that nature. I tried to get a little bit more information on this this afternoon just before service. But I'm going to share, Brother and Sister Rayleigh, as best I can from memory, okay? When Britt and Braxton were very young boys, and if you were here in their very young years, you would know. Now, today they don't look as it's easier to tell them apart today, but when they were little children, you could not tell them apart. And you guys did something with their socks, am I right? You would you would keep different socks on them, and so... Uh, some of the ladies at the church will remember that, that that was only the socks. And so, okay, so he's, you know, Brit's got on red socks. And that's the only way you knew that was Brit and not Braxton. They were identical twins. And so, <clears throat> many, many years ago now, my wife stopped one of them. She couldn't remember today which one it was. But she stopped one of them after church and she said, What do you see? when you look at your brother, to which he instantly replied, replied, my face, my face. What do you see when you look at your brother? So Britta Braxton once said, my face. So I tell you today that that ought to be our response. What do I see when I look into Wayne Williams' eyes? I should see my face. I should see me. No matter where he is, high, low, somewhere in between, I need to see me. That's me. I'm talking about the value of you. The church is the last place for big eyes and little U's and all this kind of nonsense. Hey, we need one another. No matter how unimportant, you know, I grew up in a time, and many of you here grew up in a time where... We're, and I'm not questioning this as much as it may sound. It's like, well, just take your tonsils out. You don't need those. It's like, wait a minute. I mean, I don't think the Lord just did something wrong here, you know. And I under, I get it. I'm not trying to, please don't email me in some medical debate here, but I'm just saying. <laughs> when you start just talking about, we're just going to cut this out and throw it away. You didn't need that anyway. It's like, wait a minute. And so I'll tell you today that there's no one here that's disposable. And you may feel like, if, well, if I just miss a service, what difference does it make? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. And say, well, I'm not this or I'm not that. It still makes a difference because you're part of the body. Amen. And we love you with all of our heart. And I pray that God would help us to become what he wants us to become and not just reach some place of peace and comfort and say, this is good enough until later. But let's let the spirit of God touch us and become. What do you say? Lord, I love you today. Thank you for these sweet people and for this time and opportunity we've had again together. And I ask you, Lord, to just bless us, touch us, strengthen us now by the hand, Lord, that is certainly larger than ours, stronger than ours, and and more adequate than ours. Let your presence and your power strengthen us and take us. Help us to be what you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord richly bless you. We'll see you Sunday if the Lord's will. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.